hope. And today the title of my talk is Mary's Yes to God. And so as I was preparing this talk this week, I tried to think of sometimes when I might have said yes to God in my life. And the first one, and really significantly that I could think of, was when I was six years old. So growing up in Jamaica, we tend to have a lot of these um, crusades, like these evangelistic services. And I remember in one of these seasons, we were going to them nightly, my family and I. And one night, I really felt like God was calling me, like he was asking me to give him my life at six years old. And I decided that I was going to go up bravely to the altar, because that's what you would do to indicate that you wanted to become a Christian. So I was going to do that at the end of the service, and I was going to ask my parents to walk with me, because I was scared. And so that was my plan. But shortly after the sermon began, I fell asleep. <laughs> As you do when you're six, and you have to sit still in a really long service. So I fell asleep, and all my chances to go up to the altar and change my life were gone. But then there was hope because there was the next day. So I decided, today's the day. So I went, I told my parents my plan this time ahead of time, that we're going up to the altar, giving our lives to Jesus today. And so I went, and the sermon began. And guess what? <laughs> I fell asleep again. And so, but this time, God was so good. Because I woke up just at the end, where I could run up to the altar. So that's what I did. And I guess my parents thought, okay, maybe that was good enough. Maybe that's where, that's good. But as strange as it sounds, at six years old, I was so conscious of the Lord calling me at that time to give him my yes. I was, I remember it so clearly. And so I told my parents that not only did I want to go up to the altar and give my life to Jesus, but I wanted to be, I felt that I was supposed to be baptized. And that's when my parents said, ah, uh, no. Because fine, at six, our church had never baptized a six-year-old, I don't think. And really, I was always sleeping through all the services on my father's lap. <laughs> so understandable. But I was thinking, here you are, making us come to church every single night while other children can go and play, and I can't get baptized. But anyway, as any other six-year-old would do, I went and I spoke to the pastor. And I told him on my parents that they said no even though I felt the Lord was calling me. And so I think he met with my parents and they prayed, and eventually I guess they thought I was serious enough, and so they allowed me to get baptized at that time. And so looking back, I've said many yeses in my life to different things, to God at different times, but nothing and none of them being as significant as this one, as life-changing. None that would have changed the course of my life, like when I decided at six years old to give my yes to God and everything he wanted to do in my life. And so it is for every single one of us in this room and watching online today. God gives us the amazing and life-changing opportunity to give him our yes in the little things, but also in the big things, to lay down our lives for his better agenda and to partner with him in his bigger and better story of what he wants to accomplish here on earth. And so today we're talking about Mary, because that's exactly what she did. She gave God her yes. She laid down her life for his bigger and better plan. Not a plan without a cost. It did cost her, but it was still so much better. 
And hundreds of years later, we're still here reaping the benefits, the salvation that came through Mary saying yes to God. And so while we don't need to ask Mary to pray for us, and we don't need to think that she's sitting at the right hand of the Father, because that might be a bit beyond what we see in the text, we still have so much to learn from Mary today. So to start, who was she? What was it about Mary that God would have chosen her? Which brings me to my first point, that God often chooses very unlikely people in unlikely places. So from the text, we don't know a lot about Mary, but we do know that she was a young virgin girl. At that time, women would get married really young, and so based on her age, Mary would likely be around 13, 14 probably, a child. We also learned that Mary's from Nazareth. We don't know that much about Nazareth. It seems quite unremarkable that she was from Nazareth. What we do know about Nazareth apart from this is that they didn't have much faith there and so Jesus didn't do much miracles there, so mm, not the greatest place. But we also learned that Mary had some plans. She was engaged to Joseph at that time and at that time engagement was binding. It was a serious commitment, almost treated like marriage, not something that you could quickly and easily get out of. They weren't dating and seeing where this will go. This was a serious commitment, and this plan that God was about to come with could have, you know, messed up things a little bit. And so God is about to change everything. He's about to step into the world and change the course of history forever and bring about his ultimate plan of salvation, and he chooses a young, poor, virgin girl from a very unremarkable town to partner with him. And this shows us that God's ways are not our ways. In God's economy, the things we as humans may hold dear and important and as worthy are often as nothing to him. He looks at our hearts. And so why Mary? I think Mary might look unlikely to us. She was uneducated, not sophisticated, not an intellectual. She wasn't from Oxbridge. She hadn't achieved great things by the world's standards. But by God's standards, she was the one. And we see later in the text of Luke 1 that Mary bursts into this beautiful song that we still talk about today. And in it, we get a few hints as to what God might have seen in Mary. In her song, we see that Mary was saturated in the word, that she loved the Lord. And that was unusual for her times because women weren't educated and they definitely didn't learn to read the Torah. And so we see something quite unique in Mary that when you read her song, you see scripture threaded through her song. We also see that she had a heart of worship that in response to this news, her first response is to burst into worship. We also see that she's humble. She wasn't desperate for the spotlight, her time to shine, her debut. We also see that when she got this news, she went far away and visited her friend in obscurity. She didn't go and say, well, everyone, it's my time. This is what the Lord has said to me. This is what he's going to do through me. She just worshipped, and she spoke about how God comes to meet the humble and how he scatters the proud. And so she was a worshipper, and she was humble, and she was saturated in the word. And that's what 
was important to God. This wasn't an imposition from God. Mary didn't wake up pregnant. There was human agency in this. Mary could have said, ah, no thanks. But she didn't. When God said to her, I have this plan and I want you to partner with me, she said yes. But God also knew that Mary would say yes. He knew her heart. He knew her heart of worship. He knew the posture of her heart, that he was her Lord. And that's what matters to God. Not our swag, not our outfits, our talents, our skill set, but the posture of our hearts before him. We see this threaded through the Bible. We see it in King David's life, the great King David, when the prophet Samuel was sent to anoint the new king. And he went to Jesse's house, and they were searching, and he saw all these sons, and they were skillful. They were, they were handsome, probably really good fighters. God rejected every single one of them. But knowing he had come to the right place, he asked, is there anyone else? There must be someone else. And of course there was. There was David, the unconsidered one who was out in the field somewhere that no one had thought of. But why David? Because the Lord himself testified that I have found in David a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's what was important. The Amplified Version says, he will carry out my program fully. Isn't that amazing? Could God say that about us? Could God say that about me, that Shauna will carry out his program, not her own program, his program fully? He could say it about Mary, and that's why she was given this grand invitation. And so today, you may feel no written all over your life. You may feel small. Maybe you feel that your English isn't up to scratch to do certain things. You may feel you have made too many mistakes or you have messed up entirely. But like he did with Mary, God comes and greets you today saying you are blessed and highly favored. Because his criteria are just entirely different from ours. And what a joy that is for us. I remember coming to Oxford and feeling so small. Like everyone else knew so much. So much about art, science, pop culture, philosophy, cheese, wine, theology, just everything. And I felt like I didn't have any of these experiences. I didn't know all the words. Eventually I did figure out that it was Maudlin and not Magdalene. But it really felt like everyone was just so grand. I remember feeling that even my understanding of God was somehow subpar to what everyone else knew. But in God saying yes to Mary, that shows us that none of those things really matters to him, really. And it doesn't stop him from using me, using any of us in this room. And so though Mary doesn't seem particularly special, the first thing that the Lord says of her in this whole text is that you are highly favored. And that's all that mattered. That's what qualified her. He didn't say, well, she has good genes, good bone structure, good connections. I mean, she's stunning. None of those things. All we see is that Mary loved the Lord and treasured him as her Lord. And so we see God using unlikely people in unlikely places. And which leads to our next point, Mary's unlikely response. And so after the angel gives her this unusual greeting, 
and tells her that she's going to give birth as a virgin to the Son of God. How would we even respond to that? I think it's easy to become really familiar with this Christmas story. We read it every year, probably during the year, and we just skip over these things and say, the Virgin Mary, she had a baby boy. But can you imagine receiving this message? And not just receiving this message, but receiving this message from an angel. A virgin giving birth? And so we see Mary start to respond. The first question she asks is, how will this be? Now, if we take a couple steps back in this chapter, we will see that this is not the first pregnancy announcement. It was peak season for the angel Gabriel here in Luke chapter 1. Because earlier, he appears to the priest Zechariah and tells him a very similar message that his wife, who is very advanced in years, is going to have a child. And like Mary, Zechariah has a question. He asks, how can I be sure of this? This, though, is a very different question from what Mary asked. Zechariah's question, how can I be sure of this, was really a statement of unbelief. Show me proof because I don't believe you. Mary's question was a question of, I can't comprehend this call on my life. Help me to understand. You see, yes, Mary was country folk, but she knew how stuff worked. Virgins don't give birth. But... This was different. This was going to be a miracle, a unique event in history. It never happened before, never happened since, will never happen again. And so Mary had never heard of such a thing. And so thinking naturally, she was simply asking about the mechanics of things. Or as my mother says, she was just asking about the preliminaries. She wasn't saying, I don't believe you, I won't do it, give me proof. She was saying, help me to understand this call. But while Mary was thinking naturally, God, as he does, was thinking supernaturally. And so the angel explains how God would accomplish this divine and peculiar miracle. And the whole Trinity are in on it. The whole Godhead. We have the Father speaking the word. The Spirit coming upon her. And the Son being born within her. How amazing is that? And you see, this shows us that we don't need to fear when we feel that God has called us to something that's bigger than us, something that's beyond our talents, our skills, our resources, our time, because this is exactly how it should be. He equips us for every good work that he calls us to, whatever God has called us to, whatever he's asking us to say yes to, he will make the provision And so this brings Mary to this place where she makes this great profession. Let it be to me according to your word. As you have said, okay, yes. Mary doesn't freak out. She doesn't doubt. She simply and wholeheartedly says yes. She doesn't wait to come to a place of full understanding until she has wrapped her mind around this whole spirit coming upon her, overshadowing her. She doesn't go and consult anyone else. She doesn't declare a 30-day fast or something, which I would probably say I need some time to pray about it. She just said yes. How could she have done this? This was an extravagant act of surrender and an extravagant step of faith, knowing all that could happen to her, knowing all that she stood to lose. What about her fiancé? 
What about her plans? What about the life that she could possibly lose at such a time? This yes would cost her. I've always wondered what I would say if I was Mary. If I'd say no, if I'd say, I have some conditions. Yeah, but some conditions. How about we do this maybe four months later? How about we do this when I'm already married to Joseph so it doesn't look so sketchy? How about, oh, definitely, how about if you could just tell everyone else about this plan so they don't think I'm a liar and an adulterer? But Mary said none of this. We simply see that she says, I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. And that shows us that Mary knew her Lord. The language of our world today is rights. Do you make yourself happy, live your own truth? But the language of scripture is, for I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. When we give our yes to God, we give our whole self. He is Lord of all our affairs. Where we go, the friendships we make, the things we watch and listen to, the way we treat people, our jobs. Hudson Taylor echoed this when he said, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And Will, our curate, shared a similar statement so beautifully in a recent sermon where he said, Jesus is our friend, but he's also our king. And we have to apprehend him as king. If we try to embrace him as friend while resisting him as king over our affairs, then we don't really know him. God had Mary's heart completely. He was a Lord over her life. Though she may not have understood the vast nature of this invitation at the time and all the highs and the lows that it would entail, she knew that whatever God was calling her to would ultimately be better. Would it cost her? Yes. She gave birth in a dirty manger. Simeon prophesied over her very early on, saying, yes, all of this is great, but a sword would also pierce your soul. And that did happen as she looked up at her son on the cross, dying as a common criminal. But in God's economy, in the manger and at the foot of the cross, she was still highly favored. She partnered with God in his salvation plan for all of us, and it was absolutely worth it. So when we say yes to God, we never really fully know what we're signing up for completely. We don't always know where it will lead, but we do know that it's bigger and better than we could imagine because his ways are just above our ways. It's always a step of faith with God, but a step we can confidently and joyfully take knowing that the one who calls us is good and trustworthy. Mary could be confident because of the one who spoke the word. This wasn't anyone telling her this was God. These words were backed by God, the trustworthy and unchanging one. And she could cling to his words, his powerful words that he himself spoke, saying that nothing is impossible for me that not one single one of his promises would ever fail or fall through. And that's how we come to faith. We cling to his words, to his promises. As we press into him and we meditate on his words daily, we're strengthened to give him our yes. The Bible says that 
faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As we press into God's word this Advent, may we be strengthened to tell him yes as we come to know him more. In my life, I can think of one instance where God invited me to give him my yes, and it was really hard. When the Lord asked me to move to Oxford for my PhD, I was not interested. I was really not interested in this plan. I had a different good-ish plan. I'd done my master's here maybe a year or so before, and I did not enjoy living in Oxford. And so as soon as I could, I moved back to Toronto, where I was living at the time. I went back to Toronto, and it was great, and I was settled. I was close to my friends. I was close to my church community. I had a job that I really liked at the university in a city that I loved and where people looked like me, where I would hear my accent from other people, and where I could eat Jamaican food anytime I wanted. Anytime. And if I'd stayed, I would have become a citizen, and my life would just be really neat and great. But all along, while I was living my good-ish life, I had this really uncomfortable sense that that was not what God was calling me to do, even though that was my plan. And so I said, okay, Lord, I sense you might be calling me back to Oxford. Let me give you some options. You know, you just help me out a little bit. So I applied to both Oxford and the University of Toronto, just giving him some options, just in case. And so even though I really did sense he was calling me to Oxford, and I really struggled. And by struggle, I mean I accepted the offer to the University of Toronto, and I was in all their orientation photos on social media. That was a struggle. <laughs> so after all of that, one night, though, I was reading the word, and in one of the clearest ways that God has ever spoken to me, he came and he asked me for my yes, straight up. And so I knew in that moment that I had two options, yes or yes, if he was really my Lord. And so I remember that night saying, okay, and just praying and surrendering to God and say, yes, I will joyfully do whatever you're calling me to do in Oxford. I don't see how this is going to work, though. I don't understand how any of these logistics will work. And you see what I would be giving up, but whatever your will is. And I went to sleep, and then I woke up the next morning, and as I was praying, I was praying again and just saying, God, I don't see how this is going to work, but fine, yes. And in that time, I received this email from Oxford saying that I was given a full scholarship. And I remember saying... With my Jamaican self, I didn't even know that I qualified for any scholarships here. I wasn't expecting anything, but that's just exactly how God works. When he calls us to something he wants or yes, he will work out the preliminaries, the mechanics, but he, what he really wants is our yes. And so looking back, I'm so happy that I said yes to God's plan and not my good-ish plan, because sometimes our plans aren't the worst. They're just not the best. And so sometimes we struggle in coming to this point. But if, if he truly is our Lord, we will come to the place where we know that it's yes or yes. And joyfully, yes, I will join in your bigger and better story. Yes, I will partner with you to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth, in my home, in my department, in my classroom, in my lab, on the bus, among my friends. 
When we give God our yes, he not only comes in and changes our lives, but he also changes the lives of those around us. And so as I close and invite the band to come back up, the question for us today is, what does this have to do with me? What does this mean for me today? And in our text today, we have seen God give his ultimate yes to the world in deciding to send his son and save us. And we see him subsequently saying yes to Mary. And we see Mary give her extravagant yes back to God. But it doesn't stop with Mary. Jesus says, who is my mother and my brother? The one who does my will. The one who says yes to me. That's who my mother and my brother is. So what about us? This Christmas, God comes to each of us and he says, will you give me your yes? What is it that God wants you to do for him? Is it to talk to someone about your faith? Is it to start a company that might change people's lives? Is it to say yes or no to a particular relationship? Is he calling you in a particular career direction to a particular people, country, whatever it is, the list could go on. But maybe you've also never met him. And today it's as if the angel comes to you giving you the greatest invitation to say yes to knowing Jesus. What is it you'll say today? And so as we close, let's follow Mary's example in giving our yes to God and joining him on the greatest adventure we could ever go on. Let us pray. And so Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak and that the entrance of your word brings light into our lives. And so I pray for us, oh God, wherever we are on our journeys with you, oh God, that you would help us where we are fearful, where we feel overwhelmed in giving you our yes, that you would give us the grace today to say yes and to hand our lives over to your bigger and your better story.